uh, series I relate that we began last uh, Sunday together, thinking about uh, what lies at the heart of the universe. We know God lies at the heart of the universe, but there at the heart of the universe, as we began to unpack last uh, week, lies uh, a, a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you strip everything away, that's what you get left with, God who's in community, in relationship. Uh, and as we think about our relationships and how we relate to one another and why it's all so important over these next uh, weeks, we want to take this as our kicking off point, as our cue, that God himself is in relationship. And uh, just as we looked at last time, that verse in John chapter 17 about Jesus praying uh, and in his prayer, making it known that there's this amazing invitation uh, to you and I to be welcomed in to that relationship. Uh, and I've thought a lot more about that since last Sunday. And I did say this last Sunday, but just it, it's continued to, to occur to me more and more. There isn't another faith or religion on the planet that makes that invitation. Nowhere. Where God himself, in a personal way, would invite us personally into the very heart of the relationship that has always existed, save for that moment on the cross. And perhaps we shouldn't be uh, uh, surprised, no, we should be surprised at it and amazed by it, but it should be familiar with it, because just a few verses earlier in John, that same evening, Jesus said to his disciples, look, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I call you friends. I invite you into that level of relationship with me, and that's where it all starts. And so last week, if you were here, hopefully you you grasped uh, uh, some of that and picked that up, and uh, it lays a foundation for how we go forward together. I no longer call you servants, but friends. Now, you can pick everything up from last week at that single stop webpage, or get CDs and stuff from the back. Now, what tends to happen next as people think about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is for everyone to get very kind of academic and uh, theological about it and beginning to wrestle with what does it really mean? How can it be possibly true that on one hand you can say God is one, and at the other hand you can say God is three? That doesn't make sense. And you've been to Sunday school classes when the water changed to ice and it it was heated up as steam, and uh, the teacher kind of goes, there you are then, as if that proves anything. Um, And you're equally mystified as you leave. And uh, we've all been in environments like that. And it's so tempting to want to stop there with the dilemma. And uh, good old uh, uh, Wayne Grudem, that some of you will read to put you to sleep at night, uh, uh, states the dilemma. God is three persons. Each person is fully God. And there is one God. Sort that out. And books and books and lectures and all sorts are spent trying to help us get our minds around it. But I love what Bruce Milne says, who was once a, a lecturer at Spurgeon's Baptist College, one of our very own, now back in Canada. 
He writes, the fact that in this doctrine there are difficulties which burst through the simple formula constructed out of the raw materials of our human experience is in one sense entirely predictable since God is the transcendent Lord of all being. Indeed, if we did not encounter deep mystery in God's nature, there would be every reason for suspicion concerning the Bible's claims. And I love this bit. For all the difficulty, the Trinity is simply the price to be paid for having a God who is great enough to command our worship and our service. Stop trying to work it out and understand it as if in some way we can put God into a box of our own experience or understanding. Instead, ask the question, what does this mean for my life? What does it mean for our church? What does it mean for our relationships and society if when you go up and up and up and up at the heart, or down and down and down and down, uh, at the heart of it all lies this set of uh, relationships? What does that mean? Well, I just want to draw out one or two things that are very simple to understand, but harder for us to work out in our experience. And uh, perhaps we'll, we'll just have a little bit of time along the way to pause and try and process some of that. For example, if we are made in God's image, let us make mankind in our image. If we are made in God's image, and God is essentially a set of three totally independent, totally committed, totally uh, loving relationships then that surely says that our priority needs to be relationship. You see, if at the heart of the universe was God all by himself, no one to talk to, no one to relate to, no one to love, to give to, to receive from, if for most of the time, before the world began, I know language fails us, if from eternity to eternity, excuse me, to eternity, there was just God sitting by himself, twiddling his thumbs, or whatever you do when you're just by yourself, then that would say something to us about the goodness, because God is good, of being alone. But we know that being alone is not good. We know it from our experience, deeply, passionately. We know it because right at the beginning when God made everything and he says, this is all absolutely wonderfully marvellous, that's the message translation more or less, there's still one thing that's going to make it right. It's not good that man should be alone. Alone. Now if God is good, then he wasn't alone. And he wasn't alone because he was there, and don't ask me to explain, in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That, that above everything, before everything, from everything comes this relationship. And so we need to prioritise relationship because we have been made in his image. And however wonderfully rich the resource of the world, however broad its variety, however productive this world is for work and labour, the need for relationship transcends it all. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, there's hardly anyone, I don't think, that would argue that relationships are fundamentally important to what it means to be human. 
That's the understanding, which is easy for us. What's less clear is how we apply that to our lives. Because we live in a society that champions the individual. We live in a society that makes success out of tasks that you fulfil successfully. And in in its obvious expression... You give your life to your job, your career, to your work, to your whatever you do, and then relationships are either the things in that that you need to get that job done, or relationships are the things you go back to. They're sort of around the edges. They're nice to have for your leisure time. Now, we'd never say it like that because we would instinctively understand that that was wrong, but hey, it's pretty easy to live like that, isn't it? It's pretty easy to live like relationship is not my highest priority. As if there is something that comes before it, more important to it. If I do this task, somehow that's more important. If I achieve that goal, somehow that's more important. And yet at the beginning of all things, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, not an achievement, nothing had been created, nothing had been done, but this relationship from which everything else comes. I want to ask you, in your life, does everything else come from relationship? Because that's what it means to be made in his image. And we need to work that out in our individual lives. We need to work that out in our church life. One of these, the journey that we're on is to try and begin to unpack that what God asks for us in our church life, in our ordinary life, in our everyday life, those things are all synonymous, it is that we put relationship first. And at its heart, we're recognising that it won't be programmes that reach the world, but relationships that reach the world. It won't be programmes in the end that'll see God's kingdom come, but relationships. Jesus started a set of relationships. The first thing he did was say, come follow me, come and join me in this. I can't do it by myself. It's not good for me, Jesus was saying, to be alone. Come follow me. Come share in this dynamic with me. So for a moment, do our choices, does our lifestyle demonstrate that we believe in relationships as the priority? As that which everything else Firstly, our relationship with God, as we talked about last week, and then our relationship with everybody else. As Rob Parson said, uh, uh, well known now, I think, no one said on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at the office or wherever it might be. There are those moments when we know that relationships somehow transcend everything. So what about it? What evidence is there in my life that I put relationships first. Now that's a rhetorical question. Otherwise I'll feel very alone in this room. What what is the evidence in your life that you put relationship first? That relationship isn't a means to an end. Relationship isn't just something around the edges of your life. Relationship isn't a byproduct of your life. 
but relationship first. Just ask God to open your heart in this moment. What, what is it? What, what are the areas where absolutely you can see you're put in relationship? Where are the areas where, where you've left relationships just to be around the edge? Where's the comfort? Where's the challenge? Open our hearts, Lord. Jesus, open our hearts. The priority, secondly, of selfless living. We see in the Trinity this amazing set of relationships that is totally interdependent and keeps giving of itself one to the other. Have you noticed that? We see, we see it in Jesus. Uh, uh, perhaps we relate to that the best. Because obviously, he's a, uh, a, a man in a way that we can relate to. He, he says supremely just before the cross, well, well Father, if it's, if it's your will that we have to do this, if there isn't another way, then Father, I will submit to your purpose. I'll, I'll, I'll give way in this relationship. I'll, I'll give of myself in that way. And, and, and so we read in those same verses... Uh, sorry, in, in, uh, in John's Gospel, uh, uh, about how, how in that same period of time, just before Jesus dies, and he talks about the Holy Spirit coming, and he talks about the, how, how he himself will give way to the Holy Spirit. The, the place that he has had of being the forerunner, not just the forerunner, but the uh, kind of uh, initiator and starter and establisher of the ministry of God on earth in human form, would then be carried on by the Holy... He would give way. So Jesus gives way to the Father, and then the Holy Spirit gives way to Jesus. And then there are some other wonderful verses where they all seem to give way to each other, seeking uh, to honour and glory the other. The Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, all the interchangeableness of that phrase, will teach you all things and will remind you everything that I've said to you, says Jesus about himself, but we know that Jesus says, everything that I say is what the Father says. And so there's this constant sense of, of giving way to the other uh, and, uh, uh, and how that God in the end will glorify Jesus. Uh, as Jesus has submitted to the Father, there will come a day when the Father will lift Jesus up and we uh, uh, read about that in that reading. Therefore God will exalt him to the highest place, giving him the name that's above every name. And so we see these, this relationship of, of giving way, of mutual submit. Therefore, submit yourselves. We think of that in a context of husband and wife, and, uh, and we'll come to that for sure. Uh, uh, but, but it's not about particular roles. This is just a way of being to which we are called if we're made in the image of one who at his very heart is this giving way to one another, to the honour and the glory of each other. In what ways, in what ways am I giving of myself for another? That's, that's what it's about. In what ways am I laying down for the other? In what ways am I uh, sacrificing for the other, whoever the other might be, and so live in his image? And it's a challenge. 
And all of these things paint a backdrop to all the other things that we'll talk about during these coming weeks. And uh, uh, we won't spend uh, time on these now this morning. Uh, We can move on to the priority of partnership. This idea that the way that the the Bible reveals God is that Father, Son and Holy Spirit work in partnership together. Uh, And we need to find in our lives, in every sphere of our life, that ability to be working in a relational partnership. It's not good for us to be alone. And that really hits hard at the world in which we live, doesn't it? Because in the world in which we live, success is put right up here, and if you achieve that success by yourself, it goes a little bit higher. Have you noticed that? If you row the Atlantic in a team, well, whatever. If you do it by yourself, whoa! We champion that ability to solve it ourselves. And uh, uh, for those of you who are really anxious about how many points I've got, who's really anxious about how many points I've got for this sermon now? Quarter past twelve. Who's lying now? Now, God forgive us and release us. Okay, we're going to come into land just now. All right, you can you can relax. If it's so ingrained, this sense of I can do it myself, that you can drive to a town that you've never been before. You could be looking for a venue that you've never, ever seen. You could be driving along a road in that town for that venue that you know not where it goes, but you will not ask for help because it's better to get there by yourself. It's true. I know. There's a true, deeply true in us. That's how ingrained this sense of self sufficiency is. And we see it at every level, more seriously. Okay, we see it at every level. We see it in our individual approach to things. Okay, I'll do this by myself. Thank you very much. So I won't express a need that I've got because that would be a weakness. Foolish, but that's how we live. Then we get the nuclear family and we say in the nuclear family, we can do this by ourselves. Do you know, I've got four kids and we can't do this by ourselves. And I've seen some of you with just one kid and you can't do it by yourself. Because we were never meant to do it by ourselves. Do you know, my kids need to see more than one mediocre marriage. Do you get it? Yeah? Some of you said amen a bit too quickly. Good job, Kerry's the other side of the country this morning. Um, Do do you see what I mean? I mean, however good our marriage is, and it gets better as the years roll on, honestly. Stick in with your marriage, it gets better as the years go on. However good it is, I need them to see more. I need them to, to, to understand where we're weak. I need them to see where we're strong, but appreciate that they can see where we're strong, because they've got other people. But you know, we're raising people these days where we, we, we so confine ourselves, we so individualize everything, we hardly have any experience of another family, another marriage, another set of friendships, another neighborhood. Do you see the point? Yeah, there's, there's, the Spirit calls us, made in His image, to recognize our absolute need. Not at every level to reduce it down to self as much as we can. Be that because I live by myself, reduce it down. I live with just a, a partner, or, or I live in a, uh, or with a friend, and we kind of lock ourselves in. Well, at every level, we've got to open up and recognize. 
that we need a different model to the one that says we're all self-sufficient. Jesus died on the cross because we ain't. And we need him, and in his grace, he gives us each other. Extended family, the guys that stood up here, they need each other to become more like Jesus. Whatever their relational situation is at the moment. Desperately need each other. And that's why this journey is so important for us. Let's pray.